Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. What would an American fascist government look like? You know, a lot of people use the word fascism to describe what's going on in the GOP and other parts of the American political spectrum today. But what would it actually look like? I really think it's time that we talk about this. Again, like I said, because we have been using this word so much, particularly around what's going on in the GOP, but we don't talk much about what it would look like or how it would come about. First, and essential to American fascism, Republicans envision a strongman leader. That leader will hold power for as long as he wants. It's always a he, by the way, in fascist governments. Um, with the transition to the next leader determined by the leader himself. This has been a primary characteristic of fascistic governments, every one that has emerged in the 7,000-year written history of the modern world. When Trump was running for re-election, you'll recall in 2020, at rallies in both Nevada and Wisconsin, he announced that not only was he going to win 2020, but he would also win 2024. Now you would say, wait a minute, doesn't the Constitution say the president can only have two terms? Yes. So did the Russian Constitution until Putin amended it. And that's what Trump said he was going to do, and the crowd went nuts. They loved it. The single strongman leader, that one strongman leader being the head of the state, and basically he is the state and the state is him, that is the key to understanding basically everything else that happens when a country flips from democracy through oligarchy and into fascism. For example, in a fascist state, the way that you as an average citizen ensure your own advancement and economic, personal, and political security is by sucking up to that leader. You either become an acolyte and follower, or you find yourself on the outside looking in. And if you think this sounds extreme, just look at today's GOP. Liz Cheney spoke out against Trump, and her party booted her out in Wyoming. Four Republicans who voted to impeach Trump have faced such a backlash, they've decided to retire this year. Adam Kinzinger, Anthony Gonzalez, John Katko, and Fred Upton. Republican freshman Congressman Chris Jacobs, who represents part of Buffalo, New York, after that massacre in Buffalo, said that He's open to talking about assault weapon bans. He's now pulled out of his own primary. He's not even going to run anymore. The, the blowback was so bad. And because, you know, he, he challenged Trump's position on guns. Not only is fealty to the leader required for political advancement, it's also a requirement for individual economic advancement. Employers who are eager for state contracts or the leader's endorsements for their products or services demote or fire employees who are deemed insufficiently loyal to the leader. We saw this here with Trump. Psychologist Bandy Lee, uh, who has been a guest on this program, was fired from Yale University for tweeting that Trump was mentally ill. School teacher Leah Kenyon was fired from her job for saying that Donald Trump was a sexual predator and a literal moron. Julie Brisker was fired from her job with government contractor Akima for giving Trump's motorcade the finger. Rebecca Jones was fired by Ron DeSantis for telling the truth about his covering up Florida's COVID statistics. Florida's Orange County Health Director, Dr. Raul Pino, was removed for encouraging his staff to get vaccinated. You end up doing things on the leader's behalf, whether you're supporting his party, working at a private corporation, or engaged in the nonprofit sector, like teaching in a university or in a medical center. And defying or challenging the leader brings opprobrium, you know, condemnation, 
Supporting the leader is the path to career advancement. The Trump White House and the DeSantis governor's office are filled with examples. Everything is done for the leader because the leader is the state. The state and the leader have become one. If you challenge the leader, you are challenging the state, and that is treason. Whatever the leader says becomes the law. This is called rule by decree, and it's where every fascist in history has ended up. The power to rule by decree goes back to the days of kings and is embedded now in our laws having to do with the president's emergency powers. And Trump came very close to invoking an emergency declaration around the election of 2020. When he lost that election, General Flynn begged him to do it and, quote, temporarily suspend the Constitution. This is what Flynn was explicitly asking Trump to do. Next time, Trump won't be so restrained, and he will have surrounded himself in advance with people like Flynn, who will make it happen. While it will change how power is distributed in our government, though, things will still look much the same. If a fascist like Trump rises to power again in the United States, there will still be all the trappings of democracy. The House and Senate, the state houses and governors, the bureaucracies and political systems, they'll all remain intact. Everything will look normal on the surface. But when you peel off the top layer, you discover that all of these people in all of these offices, whether elected or bureaucratic, are serving only one principle and only one person, and that is the leader. There'll even be opposition parties and political candidacies in a Republican fascist America, although if any of them seriously challenge the leader or show the ability to disrupt the status quo, they'll be discovered to have secret drug habits or imprisoned for corruption on made-up charges. The prosperity of the company you work for depends in part on how well it supports the politics of the leader. The leader helps a few dozen oligarchs seize control of the nation's major industries, and every smaller company in each of those industries must directly or indirectly answer to that oligarch. Those who fail to answer to the oligarch, those smaller companies are bought out, shut down, or simply can't find customers or supplies and run out of business. The industry where this is most visible at first is the media. Some media organizations will be absorbed by the government itself, like Putin has done in Russia. Others will be bought out and run by the leader's oligarch buddies, as is the case today in Hungary and Turkey. And I would argue with Fox News and Sinclair here in the United States. Soon opposition voices vanish from all but the most obscure media. And those few opposing voices that are tolerated are pointed to by the leader as proof that the nation is still an open democracy. Jews and people of color may find a rougher time maintaining a job or staying safe from vigilantes or abuse or discrimination, but white people will be just fine, particularly white men. There'll still be Christmas parties, although people celebrating Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Muslims praying may want to pull the shades closed. Hate crimes and murders by vigilante groups start happening with such frequency that the media doesn't bother to report them anymore. Within a few years, a little bit of every business activity in the country ends up in the leader's pocket. And the leader uses that revenue to enrich himself, his inner circle, and those who are part of his military entourage, his private militia. That's right, the leader's private military. It would be put together like what Ron DeSantis is organizing in Florida right now, a state-sanctioned militia that answers only to the leader in this case, DeSantis. Trump tried the same, flying Customs and Border Protection officers into Portland, where they hit the streets without identification on their uniforms to beat and kidnap people protesting George Floyd's murder. When the private militia is created at the federal level, it'll become a substantial national military force with hundreds of thousands of soldiers under the leader's direct command. Hitler's was called the SS and answered only to Hitler. Mussolini had his, as do Putin, Erdogan, and el-Sisi, and others today. Citing national security, the leader's private militia will have an undisclosed and therefore vast budget. Outside of times it's called on to intimidate people or make a public display of power, it'll largely operate in secret. Its members won't have to obey the law because, as agents of the leader who's above the law, they are too. If they have to kill somebody, there'll be no investigation unless it's to cover up the crime. If they need to make somebody disappear, that person disappears. They, along with the leader's allies, promote a law and order crime ideology in public that results in high levels of incarceration, heavily militarized police, and a disregard for the general rights of the average citizen. 
particularly racial and religious minorities. This is how the kind of government Donald Trump was trying to establish in America has played out over and over again across the world and throughout history. In our own time, we've seen it now in Egypt, Turkey, Russia, Cuba, Hungary, the Philippines, Venezuela, and dozens of other countries around the world less well known for the nature of their government. It may call itself left-wing or right-wing, but what really matters is that all power and authority rests with the leader. Stalin was every bit the fascist that Hitler and Mussolini were. His fascism just had a different face and brand. As dystopian as all this may sound, there are more governments in the world run this way today than there are democracies. It's normal. Once established, it's almost impossible to dislodge without a crisis like the death of the leader or an actual revolution. Some of the governments around the world that are structured like this were democracies that turned fascist, like Russia, Turkey, and Hungary, but many have been this way for centuries, like hereditary kingdoms in the Middle East, Asia, and Africa. So how did the democratic countries that make the transition from fascism allow that to happen? And what is life like in those countries, both during and after that transition? What does it look like when a country becomes fascism? How will fascism play out in America if a Trump is reelected? And how do we know what it's like to be in a fascist government? In fact, actually, what will it be like, would it be like, if America became fascist? If Donald Trump gets reelected, or if somebody with fascist leanings who wants to create their own private militia, that kind of thing, like Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida right now, if that kind of person is elected to the White House, what happens? How do we know? Is there some kind of sudden proclamation by the leader? I am now proclaiming we are officially a fascist nation. Well, turns out, no. We go back to Milton Mayer, the author of They Thought They Were Free, to his German friend in 1954. This is a quote from this college professor. He said, this German college professor, he said, but of course this isn't the way it happens. In between come all the hundreds of little steps, some of them imperceptible, each of them preparing you not to be shocked by the next. Step C is not so much worse than step B, and if you didn't take a stand at step B, why would you take a stand at step C, and, and so on to step D. And one day, too late, your principles, if you were ever sensible of, of them, all rush in upon you. The burden of self-deception has grown too heavy, and some minor incident in my case, my little boy, hardly more than a baby, saying, Jew, swine, collapses it all at once. And you see that everything, everything has changed and changed completely under your nose, end quote. You know, I thought about this yesterday. I, I had a caller from, uh, as I recall, he was in the Seattle area, and he said that his uh, very progressive son had moved to Tennessee and married a local girl and is now a complete Trump humper. They watch Fox News drops the N-word casually and rails about Jews and communists, obsessively watches Fox News and listens to right-wing radio. This is how it happens. America is changing as you are hearing my voice right now. In this fall's election, many of us are no longer going to be able to know even if our voices, our attempts to vote, will actually decide who leads our nation. Five Republicans on the Supreme Court ruled in 2018 that you can be purged from the voting rolls on a whim. In most states, Republicans can take over electoral precincts, install their own people, as we just learned they're doing right now, and run them under whatever rules they want. Already, when the Republican Party inflicts 10-hour lines to vote on a state's people, for example, you go to jail if you bring them water. If you make a mistake on your voting registration or ballot, they can choose to send you to prison for up to five years or more. Somehow, of the many people from both parties who are busted for this, only the Democrats end up going to prison. And yet everything seems normal. As Mayor's professor's friend told him, when the leader finally seizes control of all levers of power, from political to economic to spiritual, and yes, spiritual, Hitler had Reichsbishop Mueller who was the leading spiritual authority in Nazi Germany. He committed suicide at the end of the war. When the leader has seized all power, political, economic, and spiritual, and has you know, the, the right-wing church behind him as well, everything changes, but everything also stays the same. This is a quote from Mayer, the professor that Mayer interviewed, quote, 
The world you live in, your nation, your people, is not the world you were in at all. The forms are all there, all untouched, all reassuring. The houses, the shops, the jobs, the mealtimes, the visits, the concerts, the cinema, the holidays. But the spirit, which you never noticed because you made the lifelong mistake of identifying it with the forms, is changed. Now you live in a world of hate and fear. And the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. When everyone is transformed, no one is transformed. Now you live in a system that rules without even a responsibility to God, end quote. You know, we're already a ways down this road, which is why our democracy has been rated by numerous international groups, you know, like Freedom House and whatnot, as being at risk or a similar designation. Voter suppression, gerrymandering, the proliferation of phony media, the pink slime media I'm going to talk about in the next hour, um, selling right-wing propaganda as news, armed militias on our streets, and the Republican Party recruiting them for election monitors are just the visible tip of the proverbial iceberg. Milton Mayer's friend asked him, how is this to be avoided among ordinary men, even among highly educated ordinary men? And in 1954, Milton Mayer had to reply to him, frankly, I don't know. Well, that was 1954. This is 2022. We now know. We know how the poisonous hate that animates fascism seeks, seeps into a society because we saw it ourselves during the four years of the Trump administration. We know how easily a government can be toppled and how close we came in 2020. If just five Republicans had not refused to go along with Trump, he'd be president right now and we'd be in this fascist dystopia as we speak. We can no longer pretend we don't know what's happening or where it will lead if it's not stopped. The question now is what will we do about it? So I give you fascism. What do you think? In order for a democracy to survive and not experience the transition into a fascistic state, it is absolutely essential that there be a media that is honest. Honest media is, is key to maintaining a democracy. And yet we have one of the largest voices in America, Fox News, on a regular basis putting forward lies or peddling hate and, you know, bizarre stuff like the white replacement theory that is, you know, animating statistic terrorism, animating mass shooters. We have this meme that Joe Biden is responsible for the price of, of gasoline right now, for example. Yesterday I had a person who called up and said, well, it's because he won't do the Keystone Pipeline and he canceled the leases for the oil companies which is exactly what Sean heard this morning on a local Sinclair station. A so-called reporter saying, well, you know, word has it that uh, Biden uh, gas prices are high because uh, uh, Biden canceled uh, Keystone XL and, and you've got these uh, uh, leases that, that are not being renewed. Well, that has nothing to do with the price of oil right now. The oil industry is sitting on 9,000 leases that are going to be exploited over the next decade or two or three. And the number of leases they have doesn't have anything to do with the price of oil today. It takes years for a lease to be turned into a drilling operation and then for that drilling operation to get the oil to market. Years. And the Keystone XL pipeline is transporting tar sands oil. Uh, you know, ground up, uh, I think it's called pronounced bitumen or bitumen, bitumen is coal, whatever it is. It's, it's basically ground up coal and, and, and tar that is mixed with an enormous amount of water, it can't, it's not made into gasoline. It's made into, into certain types of oil and lubricants, and it's made into diesel fuel, but it, it, it's not made into gasoline. And by the way, they're shipping it down to the, to our, to the Gulf Coast in Texas, which is where, and Louisiana, which is where the pipeline ends. Why? Why aren't they shipping it to like Michigan or Nebraska or something so that we can make gasoline and use it here in the United States? Because number one, it can't be used for gasoline. And number two, all of the refined products are being sent outside the United States, or, or a large portion of them. It's being exported, the, the, the refined products. We refine it on the Gulf Coast. We get the poisons and the cancers 
and we ship the, the petroleum products to, to South America, to China, to, I mean, we, we ship it all over the world. But it has nothing to do with the price of oil. Neither of those things have to do with the price of oil or the price of gasoline right now. And yet, you know, this is, this is the, the meme that's out there. Meanwhile, BP, they, they, they just showed, you know, their annual gross profit for 2021 was a 56% increase over 2020. It was $44 billion. And uh, the 12 months ending March, March 31st of 2022 was $46 billion, a 23% increase year over year over the previous year. I mean, just their first quarter ending March 13th of this year was a 16% increase year over year, $15 billion. And by the way, when the Democrats proposed legislation that would have stopped oil and gas price gouging, there were 217 Democratic votes yes and 203 Republican votes no. Five Republicans didn't vote, but every single Republican who voted voted no. We're not going to hold the oil companies accountable for price gouging. Every single Republican voted no. Just like when, uh, when the Biden administration proposed $28 million for baby formula to ship baby formula around the United States. The Republicans voted no. Uh, two, uh, 192 Republicans voted no. Only 12 vo Republicans voted yes on that and 219 Democrats. When, when veterans benefits were before the U.S. House of Representatives, 174 re Republicans voted no. Lowering the cost of insulin be was before the House of Representatives. 193 Republicans voted no. Only 12 voted yes on lowering the price of, of insulin. But do you know about this? Is our media reporting that the Republicans every day, every time they have an opportunity, are voting against the interests of America? If they are, if the media is reporting this stuff, I'm not seeing it. Over at CNN, Chris Licht is now in charge. A fascinating piece on Mediaite.com today saying that his priority is to have the network focus on straight newscasting and truth-telling. What does that mean? It means no more partisan voices. Let me just read from this. Uh, the report suggests that Licht, this is from Mediaite.com, that Licht isn't completely against personality programming, but he wants to ensure that partisan voices don't dominate in a way that harms CNN. Axios also notes that Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter have become magnets for conservative critics slamming CNN for a left-leaning slant on the network. Right. So CNN is under the hammer, as it were. Meanwhile, we just heard from Fox News, they're not gonna carry Thursday's hearings. They're gonna, they're gonna carry their normal lineup of uh, Tucker and, and, and friends instead. What, is this, what does this tell us about what's going on over at Fox News? Well, clearly it's a partisan operation. And they are supportive of an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States. This network that is owned by an Australian family, largely, is supportive of overthrowing democracy in the United States, as far as I can tell. If they're, you know, if they, they, they I mean, they've been trash talking this. I mean, uh, Tucker Carlson on Monday night, yesterday, last night, he said, how grotesque a joke is the January 6th committee? Well, Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi have hired the producer from Good Morning America not to do a prostate health update, but to put together a primetime show trial this Thursday. There are a lot of questions, he said, unanswered from January 6th, a lot. We'll, we'll tell you. We'll tell them to you at 8 p.m. on Thursday. In other words, Tucker Carlson is going to counter-program against the January 6th hearings. We have now what's called pink slime media. I mean, this, there are these websites popping up all over the place that look like they are like local newspapers. Like the West Cook News, Cook County is Chicago, right? The West Cook News published a story that said that a suburban Chicago school was gonna be giving students different grades depending on their race. Quote, Oak Park and River Forest High School administrators will require teachers next year to adjust their classroom grading scales to account for the skin color or ethnicity of its students in an effort to equalize test scores among racial groups, end quote. 
This is what the West Cook News published. And you look at the website and you think, oh, it's, the, it's a local Chicago newspaper. No, it's not. It's a right-wing disinformation site. This never happened. This is a complete lie, or at least a large lie based on you know, a discussion that was held, but no, no, no decision to do this was ever made. Andrew Sullivan tweeted it out, and it reached millions and millions. In fact, already, it's, it's all over the right-wing media. It's all, all over the right-wing uh, you know, media universe. They've got names like the Des Moines Sun and the Illinois Valley Times. They're calling these now pink slime sites. You know, pink slime pretends to be meat but isn't. These pretend to be news but aren't. How can we have a democracy if we don't have a media that tells the truth? We used to have the Fairness Doctrine. And before the Internet, it was, you know, if you wanted to start a newspaper, you had to actually have a newspaper, and you had to print them, and you had to distribute them. And, yeah, there was a lot of right-wing stuff out there. The, the John Birch Society had a newspaper. I used to read it when I was, a, when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, I, you know, these things existed, but you knew what they were. You knew the right-wing propaganda was right-wing propaganda. Today, it pretends to be actual news, to be real newspapers. How does a democracy survive in the face of this? I'm not sure it can. What are we going to do about it? Well, that's a hell of a challenge, given the First Amendment. You can say anything you want. You have an absolute right to lie. And then you've got programs like Brian Stelter on CNN who call out lies like this, and now CNN is thinking that maybe he should be pulled? Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Carol in Madison, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? Victor Orban is on my mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but basically the news coverage, it's completely a joke anymore. I mean, you don't get news anymore. I mean, on the NBC Nightly News, I actually saw an article on Britney Spears had a miscarriage. I mean, that's the news, you know? Yeah. I mean... Nothing about Orban, nothing about the Republicans going to Hungary to take autocratic lessons. He's vile. And you are the first person I ever heard enumerate some of his vile uh, policies. I haven't heard anything on even MSNBC, which I watch all the time. Nothing much, nothing much. I mean, so my concern is about that, is that these Republicans— most of them, the average Republican, will go to the polls and vote Republican and have no idea that this is even going on. Yeah. And I find that very frightening. What in the world do they see in Donald Trump? This is a failed president. He did nothing but ruin what he could of the country. And on the night he was voted in and he won the election, I told my husband, this is the beginning of the end of this country. Mm -hmm. 
And boy, he, he has made it all those words come true so far. And how he could take over a whole party with lies and conspiracies and absurd nonsense. And he has done nothing to contribute anything worth voting for. You know, I don't understand it. He cares about money, Tom, Donald Trump and power. That's it. It demonstrates how vulnerable democracies are, and our democracy in particular, and, 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 and it wouldn't have been possible, Trump would not have been possible, if a couple of predicates had not been put into place, if a couple of things had not happened that, that happened very intentionally. They all came out of the Powell Doctrine. One was allowing our media to consolidate. Another was yeah. doing away with the Fairness Doctrine and allowing our media to, to shift from our news media from being news to being infotainment and propaganda. Another yep. was the Supreme Court, packing the Supreme Court so that they would engage in the Citizens United decision in 2010, saying that bribery of politicians by big corporations and billionaires is perfectly legal, 100% legal. In fact, they doubled down on that in a case involving Ted Cruz, where he, he was taking a bribe and they said, no, it's no problem, it's just fine. It was a quarter million dollars, yeah, you know, he, how do you know he's going to actually vote this way just because this guy gave him a quarter million dollars? It's, if those things hadn't happened, it would have been much more difficult. This is not something that just happened out of nowhere. Sandy in Abel, North Carolina, I, I'm sure. How do you say it? Abelmar. Thank you. What's up, Sandy? Uh, I want to talk about the Latino population being taken over by the right-wing propaganda. Mm -hmm. uh, watched a documentary on TV this weekend. And they are getting bombarded down there in t TV and radio saying Democrats are socialists and communists and vote Republican, we'll keep your freedom yeah. and all this. And they believe it. They have no idea what they're walking into, that it's fascism that they're going to be voting on. And it, it's horrible. It, the, the Latino population, of course, is massive in Florida. Yeah. DeSantis has got it so gerrymandered. He drew his own maps, and the whole doggone state is red. I don't know what we're going to do about that. It is scary, and it spreads like wildfire. And if we lose a Latino vote, we're in deep trouble. This is a substantial minority population. The two areas where they're being targeted by the GOP are, number one, uh, Democrats are like Maduro or, or Hugo Chavez, you know, or Castro, uh, trying to paint Democrats as, you know, extreme lefties. And, and, exactly. and then the other one is abortion, you know, you're, because the majority of Hispanics are, are Catholics. And, right. and, and uh, you know, abortion it really flies with them. So, yeah, Sandy, I am very concerned about that. The good news is a group of uh, Hispanic Democrats just bought 18 radio stations that they're going to program with Spanish language uh, progressive programming. So I think it's a Ooh, start. Yeah, that's, that's great. That is some good news. The bad news is there's already about 300 right-wing Spanish language stations all across the yeah. country. Judd in Meadview, Arizona. Hey, Judd, what's up? I'm a truck driver. You know, I just got back out on the road after being home almost like 10 days. It's just real frustrating. All these people who believe all this stuff that it's Biden's fault. And I peel the stickers off the fuel pumps all the time. They say, I did that. It's a picture of Joe right. with his finger pointing. I did that. It's just, oh. Yeah. And, and, you know, everything you guys are talking about, it's just, I'm glad you're there. Sometimes I get depressed listening to it because, you know, I'm 63. I'm, I'm hoping to retire and get Social Security, but I don't think I can do it without Social Security. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the good news is you're old so, enough that Social Security will still be around. I'm concerned about, you know, your kids, right, or the, the generation following you, my kids and grandkids, because I, I, the Republicans. I mean, you know, they, George W. Bush said he wanted to privatize Social Security and Medicare. Those were his and he and he. He put yeah. privatization of Medicare in 2003 on the table. It, it passed Congress, and that's the Medicare Advantage programs. Those are privatized Medicare. Yeah. It's not even Medicare. That's just yeah. privatized health insurance for people over 65. And, exactly. uh, you know, exactly. he didn't get a chance to privatize Social Security, but the next Republican who, who gets into the White House is going to try. Judd, thanks for the call, and thanks for the uh, affirmation. Leo in uh, Putnam County, New York. Hey, Leo, what's up? I actually lived it when my parents and I moved to Argentina in 1976 right before the coup d'etat that happened there. With Pinochet. And, yeah, well, no, no, this is with uh, Isabel Perón. Oh, that's Chile, yeah, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, Chile was, uh, yeah, and you get that Kissinger for both. Yeah, so I watched how, how people basically went about their lives. They really 
wasn't a palpable difference other than the fact that it was there was more military on the streets, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the uh, the unmarked police cars that would snatch people off the street. I saw that with one of my neighbors, then my mom was disappeared as well eventually. Um, Your mom? She had family. My mom, yeah. Wow. And she had, yeah, she had, fa- her family were from a poor section and they tended to vote, you know, on the left. And one of my mom's friends got, you know, got arrested. And um, eventually that led to one thing or another. But at that point, my parents were separated, so she wasn't living with us. But then we found out afterwards. And my father just took us out. He just said, we're, we're, we're out of here. We came back to the States. Right. But the way people reacted, again, you know, nobody makes ways and they go about their business. Everything seems normal. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The majority of people are not paying attention to politics. They just want a job and they, you know, they want to go to the movies. And, and fascism doesn't prevent any of that. Right. And, you know, and I just came back from visiting my nephews in the West Coast of their graduation. And they live in Orange County, and I was appalled and terrified of what I saw, how blatant the uh, the authoritarian pro-fascists are out there with their... And this is not... This, not, this isn't your working class. This is your upper-middle-class wealthy yeah. living in, in counties that, you know, that are not poor. And uh, so in, in contrast, where I live in South Putnam County, where it's the people who are the trades, like the carpenters and so on, that are not college educated, that are, you know, that have the flag up or whatever. Over there, it's the first time I saw an actual American black flag, you know, the one that they, the, mm. the one that's all black. But, right, the, 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 the I, I, I claim the right to kill you flag, yes. Right, and that's the first time I saw it in person, and it was a couple of blocks from my, my, uh, my family's relatives live. Wow. And I was like, I was, let me tell you, um, I couldn't wait to get back here. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and it really, my, you know, I, I was, I was so sad and so horrified. I mean, I was in tears. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, and I'm seeing it happen. And people need to somehow wake up. Yep. Or at least acknowledge that there's something's wrong. I'm with you, Leo. We, we absolutely must wake up. Thank you very much for the call and for sharing your story with us. This is America. It is changing right in front of us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Jeff in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for listening to KTRC. What's on your mind? I've been thinking about this for 40 years since I first heard Rush Limbaugh in the 80s. And uh, I think I think we've been struggling in a life and death struggle with fascism this whole time. Since, our, since 1981, in my opinion, yes. Yeah. And I, I think that um, the moderate Republicans are really a, a good um, coalition to seek out to kind of as a pivotal, pivotal but they've, point. They've again. largely all been purged from the party, Jeff. Well, I think there are people out there that are definitely still thinking the way that we are, but they are in the Republican Party. They don't like Trump. They're still kind of being carried along. But I I think they're out there. And that's that's one place I want to put my energy and also into media. Mm -hmm. I think we need to have more of a media presence in the red states and getting wealthy, um, you know, billionaires, whoever we can to invest in media in the red states because yeah. yeah i agree with everything that your callers have said about fox news and it's you know people are brainwashed and just all the propaganda but i don't know i think there are i know people i know i'm from oklahoma i know republicans that loathe trump and mm-hmm. that are good people that have a sense of history 
that are civic-minded, and I think they are amenable to being awakened to the threat that we're facing. Well, let's hope so. I, it is certainly happening. I mean, there's a, a, the Steve Schmidt and his friends at, at Lincoln Project, uh, you know, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, uh, Cheney, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the Wyoming primary happens, whether, whether she can hang on to her seat or not. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, Mitt Romney is solid in Utah because, because of the Mormon, you know, thing. But uh, it's, it's going to be a tough tough year for moderate Republicans. But Jeff, I, I think your, your point is well taken. Thank you. Javier in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Javier. Uh, you wanted to talk hey, about uh, his, um, Hispanics being targeted by Republicans? Yeah, but before I say that, this guy, this caller, listen, I don't want any moderate Republican running after Democrats because we're going to get a Joe Manchin. Yeah. Okay, so if they want to vote <laughs> with us, perfect. Yeah. Anyway. I want to differentiate three things. I'm a New Yorkian. I was born in New York, parents from Puerto Rico. I've been involved. For us Puerto Ricans, uh, elections are a sport, man. We do it with energy, and we do caravans. We turn the people out. We take the campaign to the people. But let me make something clear. To all my Cubans and Venezuelan brothers in Florida, they are the ones drinking that fascist, I mean the socialist, communist, Democrat Kool-Aid they're feeding them because, of course, of their background, where they're coming from, Cuba, Maduro, and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Puerto Ricans are normally conservative in Puerto Rico, but when they come to the States, they know better in their majority. I'm not saying all of them, but in their great majority, if you look at the numbers, Puerto Ricans turned out for Democrats, hmm. overwhelmingly. Yeah, that makes sense. So that, because they've seen... Need these... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we need these Cuban friends and our and our Venezuelan friends to wake up to the to the fascism and the BS they're trying to feed them because Republicans make a living demonizing Latinos, okay? Yeah. They make a living demonizing Latinos. And our Mexican brothers over here, the only thing about these Mexicans here is that, because I'm in Texas, is that their Catholic, quote-unquote, background uh, because of the abortion issue and things like that. But we got to educate them. Let's say, look, man, let God... And that person, let God deal with, you know, your decisions. Do yeah. you want to marry? But let not government govern who you're going to marry or how and, and what personal decisions you want to make to your with your body. Because everybody's a taxpayer at the end of the day. Yeah. So how can you say to this group of people, no, you don't have the same rights as these other group of people? Hell no. The government is here to supply our needs because we feed into them because we give to the government, right? Hmm. But we expect the government to give us something back because, hell, we pay so much into it. But uh, but not to legislate how we should, who we sleep with, how we worship, or anything like that. So that's what my Mexican brothers and sisters need to understand. Yeah, I and get quit it. being so damn passive. Yeah. Quit <laughs> being so damn passive. <laughs> I They're get it, Javier. passive here, man. Yeah. But anyways, that's it, my brother. Okay, that's thanks a lot for the call. Okay. Good to hear from man. you. Appreciate it. Ruth in West L.A. Hey, Ruth, we have a little less than a minute. You got a quick one here? I just wanted to remind you and the listeners that actually Mike Pence was at least somewhat not the person who actually stopped the steal and decided on his own, um, you know, to not reverse the election. As I recall, he called Dan Quayle. That's right. And Dan Quayle was the one who told him, you can't do this. That's right. So um, I, I just, you know, it's a small point, but, you know, the point is we came even closer than we think. Uh, it's uh, it's the first time I agree with Dan Quayle on anything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Pence was apparently looking for somebody who could validate uh, Trump's position that, that Pence could overturn the election. Exactly. He right, was trying right, to go right. along with him. Yeah, so uh, excellent point, Ruth. Thank you very much okay. for the call. And thanks for making it. Pam in Seattle, Washington. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. This is in regards to the caller last hour um, calling about the burning uh, that Antifa was burning cities in the summer of 2020. Yeah, not true. In right, fact, exactly. by the way, they just they just busted a right winger for being the principal guy who was responsible for the fires in one of the cities. I think it was Minneapolis. I could be wrong, but he, he just got he just got uh, busted. Go ahead, Pam. Exactly. 
exactly. And I wanted to highlight on Wednesday, the New York Times has a podcast called The Daily, mm-hmm. and they did a deep dive into the Proud Boys. And they said the Proud Boys specifically targeted so-called liberal cities like Seattle and Portland so that they could cause the violence and the chaos. And then the right wing would run with that and say, oh, see what Antifa did? See what Antifa did? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out because, you know, people still think that it was Antifa in the summer of 2020, and it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. It was right-wing provocateurs. And uh, in the case of Umbrella Man and, and people like him, and uh, I believe that was Minneapolis, uh, you know, he was the first guy to smash windows. And it turns out right. he was a right-wing provocateur, too. In fact, I believe he was an ex-cop. And, and yeah. you know, so so here we are in this in this uh, era of provocation. I think it's very similar to to, uh, you know, in 1933, when the Reichstag, the, the uh, parliament building in Germany was set on fire by Marius van der Lubbe, this 20 uh, something uh, mentally ill Dutchman. Um, it, mm-hmm. There's a fair amount of evidence that the Nazis uh, took him through a series of underground tunnels from their headquarters to or from one of the Nazi, one of the office buildings that was, you know, full of Nazi offices because they were an official mm-hmm. political party then, um, through this underground network like they have in Washington, D.C., into the parliament building and helped him set the, uh, the those uh, old, uh, uh, what do they call the, the rugs, the tapestries, those old tapestries that lined the walls of parliament on fire, and that's how he started the fire. And, and, and then Hitler ran over there and got in front of a microphone and on live radio all across the country said, this is a sign from God. The communists have attacked us. And, you know, for years, the story was that a communist had, had tried to burn the Reichstag. And in, in fact, uh, you know, yeah, Maria von der Lubis, Marius van der Lubis had some apparent, uh, quote, communist connections as a, as a young person. But mostly he was this mentally ill guy that was exploited by the Nazis. Same deal, right-wingers doing the provocation and then using that to come to power. Pam, thank you. Exactly. Thank you for the call. Thank well you. said. I, I do appreciate it. Kristen in uh, Redken, Washington. Hey, Kristen, what's up? Hi, Tom. Hey. Um, I was thinking about what Norma from Montgomery, Alabama said when mm-hmm. she was talking about Fox News. And I was thinking that Fox News should have a disclaimer, like the lottery, that it's for entertainment purposes only and statements made, you know, may or may not be true. Right. I mean, because by their own admission, they say that it's just for entertainment, so it's not... Well, that's what they say in court. It's not what they say on the air. Yeah, but they should say it on the air. Yeah, I I get it. They can't dispute it. It might might help. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I get it. I mean, you know, their claim is that it's, it's just opinion. And then, you know, of course, yeah. now this wasn't Fox News. This was a Fox television station down in Florida. But in the, in the Fox RGBH story, uh, you know, lawsuit, and this was a decade or so ago, when Steve Wilson and Jane Aker, um, or Ayer, uh, tried to report accurately on a Fox television station about the dangers of bovine growth hormone. Um, you know, uh, in collusion with Monsanto, apparently, the Fox station... Uh, forced them to rewrite that story over and over and over again to the point where they refused to read it on the air. Fox fired them. They sued for unlawful termination. Uh, The jury of their peers unanimously found in their favor and gave them a quarter million dollar settlement. Fox appealed that, saying that they have the right as a business, businesses have a First Amendment right, to tell their employees to do what they want and to tell their employees to say what they want, to represent their, you know, their information. And that they had, literally, they argued in court that they had the right to force their news staff to lie on the air, and the appeals court agreed with them and took away Jane and Steve's uh, you know, successful lawsuit. So, I mean, you know, Fox has a hell of a precedent here. So, yeah. in fact, Jane and Steve were on our show talking about it. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Fred in Deering, New Hampshire. Hey, Fred, what's up? It's a story I heard yesterday on CNN, I just fact-checked it, that white bikers showing up at the shooting in Texas funerals saying they're at the invitation of the police. As of yesterday, the police weren't returning comment. This is 
I, to me, it looks like boots on the ground fascism. I wonder again why President Biden isn't sending in the National Guard to sort this out. But there it is, white bikers. I haven't seen that I story. Heard anything Fred. I can't. on public radio about it. Yeah, Maybe I, I missed the. Sh- I'll have to. I'll have to uh, Google that when I when you know during the break here at the top of the hour. Fred, thanks for the flag. I, I you know I'll 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 check it out. Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, how's the math guy Hi. doing today? I think we're well into uh, fascism, as, as I've stated to you before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had AT and T um, funding America One before anybody even knew what America One was. Uh, right, Elon Musk announced, right, mm-hmm. and that's that's a a, um, a company that is not in the media funding a fascist media outlet. Yeah, um, Elon Musk announced uh, last week that he was going to cut ten thousand jobs. Uh, he recently announced that he is a fascist Republican. Uh, when it turned out that the ADA uh, um, numbers came out, they came out at one fifty, I believe. 150,000 jobs added. ADP has uh, been co-opted by the Republican Party. They hated them when they, their numbers were making Obama look good. So ADP decided they were going to change the way they, they calculated the numbers. And ever since then, their numbers are, have been junk. And um, What is ADP? And, um, ADP is a private company. Uh, they do a jobs report. Oh, this is a payroll uh, processing company? Right. Huh. They do the jobs, and you and you, and you think that they're 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 partisan. Oh yes, uh, huh. they used they didn't used to be. But what happened is when Obama was president, they were getting glowing numbers, which were actually closer to the final uh, government numbers uh, that the government. You know, after they do their um, yeah. their revi- revisions, and what happened is the right wingers just jumped on ADP and, uh, and accused them of being partisan. So they. they they promised the Republicans that they would change the way they did their numbers so that they would affect. How do you know that, Larry? That's a pretty extraordinary charge. They did that. And, okay. and, and, and I'll, I'll have to look it up, fact check it. So you're saying that basically companies across America have become already radicalized. I mean, I think that the Disney DeSantis war is an example of what happens, although DeSantis doesn't have the power to really seriously damage Disney. He tried. And and you know this is this is what fascist rulers do is companies that don't go along with them they try to crush them and companies that do go along with them they get government contracts and lucrative all kinds of goodies and their CEOs are wined and dined and invited to the White House you know like Donald Trump inviting Mark Zuckerberg to the to the White House over and over again yeah and look at what the truckers are doing when uh, we have a a shortage of um, of trucks to deliver goods to America they're out there uh, doing these truck convoys and and all the right wingers are running out there cheering them on as um, and in doing so they're actually causing inflation to go up this is something that that the Republicans by, by want. slowing down the by the delivery of goods you mean I, th- I think it, right. yeah I get your point although the the last that so-called freedom convoy uh, only involved about 40 vehicles um, fewer than half of them were trucks and they raised 1.8 as I recall million dollars and now there's, you know, there, there are dueling lawsuits among these people over who got the money and where it went. And, you know, it looks like it was all a money-making scam from the get-go, you know, a fundraising well, scam. Well, uh, uh, they've done se- several of these convoys now, and uh, yeah. they don't seem to be able to stop themselves. But getting back to Elon Musk, so he comes out and says he's going to decrease the number of workers that he has by 10,000. And then when the real jobs report comes out showing 390,000 jobs created, uh, he comes back and says, never mind. Uh, I just thought we were going to have a really bad jobs report. Where do you get that from? He got it from the Republicans. Now he's acting not like a businessman, but now he's acting like a partisan hack. Yeah. And he's running his companies like a partisan hack. He's trying to get a, um, a um, social media outlet so Donald Trump can get back on on Twitter, yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. Although he's backing away now from his Twitter bid because, you know, apparently because it got expensive. Uh, Larry, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Martin in Cosa Mesa, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Martin, what's up? Regarding the fossil fuel industry propping up Republican Party and, and how they're colluding to uh, keep the gas prices high. It's a symbiotic relationship. To uh, get the 
Democrats out. The point is often brought up by, well, and then there's also the NRA, and it's, it's you know, the NRA is really merely the public face of the military-industrial complex. At least the, the uh, gun manufacturing part of it, yes. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, those guys are propping up the Republicans in the same way as as the fossil fuel yep. industry. And, and that's just the, the point I wanted to make, that people are always looking at the NRA, and that's just the public face of the military-industrial complex. Yeah. So the question then becomes, Martin, what do we do about it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're subsidizing them as well. Look, we just threw another $25 billion, um for free on top of the money they had already, the, the hundreds of, you know, it was it you know, nearly a trillion dollars they're already getting. And they just, um, you know, glibly throw another $25 billion on top of that for free. You know, that was the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you know, know I, I, my, my sense of what we can do about this, Martin, is wake people the hell up. I mean, we, it, yeah. I don't think most Americans have any idea how extensive the bribery is in this country, how completely owned the Republican Party is by not just a handful of industries. I mean, you know, they're in with the fossil fuel industry, as we've just discussed at some length. They're in with the yeah. weapons industry, as we just discussed at some length. They're in with big pharma. The they, they will the not. They, yeah, pharma. they're in with the yeah. banks, you know, bail out the banks. That's what both George W. Bush and Donald Trump did, was they bailed out the banksters. They're in with yeah. big pharma. They will not even allow a vote on whether Medicare should, should uh, be able to negotiate drug prices, which is insane. These are people who pretend yeah. that they believe in the free market, that they believe in competition, that they believe in capitalism, but they won't allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices. They're trying to privatize, well, they have succeeded in privatizing Medicare. You know, in addition to forbidding it from negotiating drug prices, now the Medicare Advantage plans can negotiate drug prices, but Medicare itself can't. And it's, it's just, you, you stack all this stuff up, and the only conclusion you can come to is that when the Supreme Court said that money equals free speech, that bribery needs to be legal, at least for political purposes in the United States. It damaged, it's so damaged our republic that, well, it, it has converted yeah. an entire political party into a organized criminal enterprise. Yeah, that ties it all together, yep. I don't know how to say it beyond that. Martin, thanks a lot for the yeah. call, and, th and thanks for pointing it out. I mean, this is, this is an issue that doesn't get anywhere near enough conversation in the media is the, the power of these industries to own politicians and the willingness of these politicians, particularly within the Republican Party. Yes, there's a few Democrats who fall into this category as well, but it is largely the Republican Party where they are absolutely willing to take the money from these industries and do their bidding on Capitol Hill or in state legislatures. The other one that never gets discussed is in state legislatures. After World War II, a Chicago reporter named Milton Mayer struggled to understand how Hitler could have flipped what was one of the most stable democracies in the world, Germany, into a fascist state. Um, he was a Chicago reporter. He traveled to Germany in 1954. He spent a year there. He, met, he made friends with 10 average Germans and told their stories in a book called They Thought They Were Free. And he quotes one of his German friends as describing what happened when the leader seized power. This is a friend of his who was a German college professor. He said, this separation of government from people, this widening of the gap took place so gradually and so insensibly. So each step disguised, perhaps not even intentionally, as a temporary emergency measure or associated with true patriotic allegiance or real social purposes. And all the crises and reforms, real reforms too, so occupied the people that they did not see the slow motion underneath of the whole process of government growing remoter and remoter. So did the German people realize that they'd abandoned democracy? That they'd soon become international pariahs? The professor told Milton Mayer, quote, to live in this process is absolutely not to be able to notice it. Please try to believe me, unless one has a much greater degree of political awareness, acuity, than most of us ever had the occasion to develop. Each step was so small, so inconsequential, so well explained or on occasion regretted, that unless one were detached from the whole process from the beginning, Unless one understood what the whole thing was in principle, what all these little measures that no patriotic German could resent must someday lead to, one no more saw it developing 
from day to day than a farmer in his field notices the corn growing, and one day it is over his head." End quote. Is it possible this could happen in America, that these small steps? I mean, doesn't a nation rise up when a fascist comes to power? Mayor's professor gave us the answer. He said, you see, one doesn't see exactly where or how to move. Believe me, this is, this is true. Each act, each occasion is worse than the last, but only a little worse. You wait for the next and the next. You wait for the one great shocking occasion, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join you in resisting somehow. You don't want to act or even talk alone. You don't want to go out of your way to make trouble. Why not? Well, you're not in the habit of doing it. And it's not just fear, fear of standing alone that restrains you. It is also genuine uncertainty, end quote. We can't say that we weren't warned. Barack Obama in 2017 came right out and talked about Germany and German society. While Donald Trump was president, he said, now, presumably there was a ballroom in Vienna in the late 20s or 30s that, you know, filled with music and art and literature and the science that was emerging that looked like it would continue into perpetuity. And then 60 million people died and the entire world was plunged into chaos, end quote from President Obama. These warnings have been there all along. Americans have been shouting about it lately in venues like the New York Times and Madeleine Albright's book and from legislators like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But how do we know? Is there a sudden proclamation that the leader puts out that says, hey, our country is now officially fascist? Is that how we figure out? How do we know when that transition has happened? Milton Mayer's friend gives us a guide to that, too. I'll share that with you on the other side of the break here. And then we'll pick up your phone calls. What do we do if another fascist leader like Donald Trump, be it Donald Trump himself or, you know, what appears to be the rising fascism of Ron DeSantis or somebody like him, if one of those people becomes president in two years, how do we respond? You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.